So 35 doesn't have a purport. Uh, we'll just do call and response with that, but then uh, we'll recite together the 36th verse, which has a purport. 35. Anile nam jitam jyotir Anile nam jitam jyotir Vikurvat paravikshitam Vikurvat paravikshitam 
ಆಧತ್ತಾಂಭೋರಸಮಯಂ ಆಧತ್ತಾಂಭೋರಸಮಯಂ ಕಾಲಮಾಯಾಂಶಯೋಗತ Translation, when electricity was surcharged in the air and was glanced over by the Supreme, at that time by a mixture of eternal time and external energy, there occurred the creation of water and taste. Verse 36, Jyoti Shambho Nu Samsrishtam Jyoti Shambho Nusham Shristam Jyoti Shambho Nusham Sam Shristam Vikurvad Brahma Vikshitam Vikurvad Brahma Vikshitam Mahim Ganda Gunam Adhat ಮಹೀಂ ಗಂಧಗುಣಾಧಾತ್ ಕಾಲಮಾಯಾಂಶ ಯೋಗ 
Jyotisha, electricity, Ambha, water, Anusamsrishtam, thus created, Vikurvat, due to transformation, Brahma, the supreme, Vikshitam, so glanced over, Mahim, the earth, Gandha, smell, Gunam, qualification. Adhat, was created. Kala, eternal time. Maya, external energy. Amsha, partially. Yogata, by intermixture. Translation. Thereafter, the water produced from electricity was glanced over by the Supreme Personality of Godhead and mixed with eternal time and external energy. Thus, it was transformed into the earth, which is qualified primarily by smell. Report by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami, Srila Prabhupada, Srila Prabhupada From the descriptions of the physical elements in the above verses, it is clear that in all stages, the glance of the Supreme is, in, is needed with the other additions and alterations. In every transformation, the last finishing touch is the glance of the Lord, who acts as a painter does when he mixes different colors to transform them into a particular color. When one element mixes with another, the number of its qualities increases. For example, the sky is the cause of air. The sky has only one quality, namely sound, but by the interaction of the sky with the glance of the Lord, mixed with eternal time and external nature, the air is produced, which has two qualities, sound and touch. Similarly, after the air is created, interaction of sky and air, touched by time and external energy of the Lord, produces electricity. And after the interaction of electricity with air and sky, mixed with time, external energy and the Lord's glance over them, water is produced. And the purple? So, okay, so the discrepancy of folios, th yeah. 36 per yeah. 37, but in the books it's in 36. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Alright, we'll continue. For example, the sky is the cause of air. The sky has only one quality, namely sound. 
But the interaction of the sky with the glance of the Lord mixed with eternal time and external nature, the air is produced, which has two qualities, sound and touch. Similarly, after the air is created, interaction of sky and air, touched by time and external energy of the Lord, produces electricity. And after the interaction of electricity with air and sky, mixed with time, external energy and the Lord's glance over them, the water is produced. In the final stage of sky, there is one quality, namely sound. In the air, two qualities, sound and touch. In the electricity, three qualities, namely sound, touch and form. In the water, four qualities, sound, touch, form and taste. And in the last stage of physical development, the result is earth, which has all five qualities, sound, touch, form, taste and smell. Although they are different mixtures of different materials, such mixtures do not take place automatically, just as a mixture of colors does not take place automatically without the touch of the living painter. The automatic system is factually activated by the glancing touch of the Lord. Living consciousness is the final word in all physical changes. This fact is mentioned in Bhagavad Gita 9.10 as follows. Maya Dyakshena Prakriti Suryate Sacharacharam Hetuna Nena Kaunteya Jagadvi Parivartate The conclusion is that the physical elements may work very wonderfully to the layman's eyes. But their workings actually take place under the supervision of the Lord. Those who can mark only the changes of the physical elements and cannot perceive the hidden hands of the Lord behind them are certainly less intelligent persons, although they may be advertised as great material scientists. I'll read the translation again. Thereafter, the water produced from electricity was glanced over by the Supreme Personality of Godhead and mixed with eternal time and external energy. Thus it was transformed into the earth, which is qualified primarily by smell. Om Ajnana Timirandhasya Gyananjana Shalakaya Chakshurun Militam Yena Tasma Shri Guru Venama Shri Chaitanya Mano Bhishtam Stapitam Yena Dhutale Swayam Rupa Kadamahyam Padati Swapadantikam Vandeham Shri Guru Shri Utapadakamalam Shri Gurun Vaishnavamsha Shri Rupam Sagrajatam Sahagana Raghunathan Vitam Tam Sajivam Sadvaitam Savadutam Parijana Sahitam Krishna Chaitanya Devam Shri Radha Krishna Padam Sahagana Lalita Shri Vishakhan Vitamsha He Krishna Karuna Sindhu Dinabandhu Jagatpate Gopesha Gopika Kanta Radha Kanta Namusuke Tapta Kanchana Gaurangi Radhe Vrindavaneshwari Rishabhanu Sute Devi Pranamami Haritiye Vanchakal Paturgyasya Kapasindu Vyayevacha Patitanam Pavanebhyo Vaishnavebhyo Namunam Jaya Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadabhara Shri Vasadi Gaura Bhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare Mukham Karoti Vachalam Pangum Langayate Girim Yadkripata Maham Mande Shri Gurum Dinatarim Hare Krishna everybody. Good morning again. I was thinking of, 
I don't know if you've heard of this lady named Nitin Amitabu. He's the, he used to be the temple president in Dallas. And um, he's a disciple of Mahakrishna Maharaj. And uh, he was sharing how he came to Krishna consciousness once. And he was saying that he was living in the Fiji Islands. And uh, he, he lived right next to the temple in the Fiji Islands over there. And, uh, you know, devotees had their morning programs, kirtan through the day, and different activities that was very loud and noisy for the neighbors, which was them. And they would be very disturbed continuously all the time with the Mridanga cartels and everything, and especially in the morning hours. And so, to the point that um, Nityananda Prabhu, his family were part of like, a big political party in uh, the Fiji Islands. And... Uh, it almost reached a point of conspiracy where they actually wanted to bomb the temple. They, were, they had this bad relationship with the temple. It reached to that extent where there was like these conspiracy, conspiracy plans to bomb the temple. But Nityananda Prabhu being one of the sons of the family, he thought he'll go and actually deal and deal face to face with the situation. And so he met Tamal Krishna Maharaj. And he was basically having the argument about how bogus everything that the devotees do. And Tamal Krishna Maharaj challenged him. You all must have heard of Tamal Krishna Maharaj's challenge. Like, try Krishna consciousness for six months. You know, go to the temple, live there for six months, and experience it, and gauge for yourself. What do you think, if it's correct or wrong? And so, uh, he gave him a, a regiment, a challenge, to Nithina Nithugu, to try for three months, chanting four rounds of japa, attending the full morning program, doing a vegetable cut-up service and pot washing. And very interestingly, interestingly, one of the days to give Bhagavatam class <laughs> in, the, in the week. And so uh, he did it. He went, he was doing four rounds of japa. He was, and uh, he gave him a few books to read on his own time. So he would read and he would do that. And then he would actually have to give one day of Bhagavatam class to uh, everybody in the temple. And he was, you know, having this whole averse kind of perspective to Krishna consciousness, a whole hostile perspective to Krishna consciousness. But uh, through the three months, he was there doing it, and he was very dedicated. He followed what the Krishna Maharaj set forth for him. And uh, by the end of it, he became a devotee, and such an amazing devotee <laughs> that he dedicated so much of his time to the um, community in Dallas. But um, I was just thinking that that's the power of the Bhagavatam and how it can purify even a person with just hostility towards Krishna consciousness, where he actually actually sit and think about the verse and uh, present it. So Tamakrishna Maharaj was so smart <laughs> to engage his mind in thinking about Krishna. So, yes, yes, <laughs> exactly. So, um, yeah, I was just thinking that I don't have hostility towards Christian consciousness, but uh, it's my first time, so I'm just hoping to seek blessings of everybody so that I can have uh, uh, purification through this process. Um, yes, so to jump into this verse today, um, we are coming to a uh, flow uh, between the conversation of Vidura and Maitreya, and... Uh, this chapter is when Vidura first poses questions to uh, uh, Maitreya. And in, in the beginning, there's these beautiful glorifications that's happening. And then Vidura finally starts asking questions to the point that now, for the past few verses, Maitreya also was glorifying and then started to answer these questions one by one until he reaches this verse. Uh, 
So he starts off by explaining about creation and this amazing breakdown of elements that is happening um, from Shiva Prabhupada in this purport. Actually, this verse, verse 36, is basically concluding that phase of creation that's being described. Um, and so Prabhupada gives this very nice summarizing purport, uh, talking about um, the breakdown, how it starts from, uh, let's see, where does it, it start from? It starts with uh, the sky, I believe. Yes, the sky and all the way how it transforms into earth and the byproducts that come out of it. So I wanted to give a little context about um, uh, creation in general. So the Bhagavatam starts in the second canto, 10th uh, chapter, um, we, the first verse of the 10th chapter in the second canto, it says, Atra Sargova Sargova, it talks about all the 10 different topics of the Srimad Bhagavatam and how those 10 different topics crescendo in the Saman Bonum, the last topic. And uh, we also hear in the beginning of the Bhagavatam, it says, Dharma Projita Kaitavatra Paramo. So all the topics, everything that's discussed in the Bhagavatam, from creation to, you know, Poshanam, like the protection of the Lord, so many different aspects, topics, the whole point of it is to give a theistic understanding in relation to the personality of the Lord, the personal aspect of the absolute truth. So all the different topics that is being discussed, even Parikshit Maharaj, the question that he does in the beginning is uh, along the lines of what is the highest benefit for a person who's about to die? And uh, we see again uh, Shukadev Goswami, he answers, Ante Narayana Smriti. So in the end of everything, Ante Narayana Smriti, you have to be, your mind should be immersed in Narayan or in transcendence. And so that is the focus of the Bhagavatam. And that focus in transcendence now can be broken down in several ways. Uh, uh, the two ways of focusing into transcendence. One could be through the focus of rejecting everything that is matter and focusing all into the spirit. You know? Completely rejection. That can be connected to the jnana mark of neti, neti, not this, not that, and just focusing all onto the spirit. And then there's the, uh, the other method. There's... Uh, that what the bhaktas do is trying to connect we see all the matter and everything in this world as energy of Krishna and connecting it to the energetic is how we um, is how we engage our mind in transcendence so these are the, the broad uh, uh, different ways of achieving transcendence um, Chaitanya Chayamprabhu has this he's very playful with his words he says the three different thoughts, worldly thoughts in this world is, you can say the karmis like to romanticize this world, the jnanis like to demonize this world, and the devotees want to utilize this world in service of Krishna. And so uh, that transcendence, so there's different, so the Bhagavatam is a purely bhakti-connected book. Uh, it's connected to bhakti uh, wholly, but it does not isolate itself from uh, discussing different concepts and different thoughts because it wants to connect those topics and concepts into bhakti, into Krishna and how do we connect it to the personal form of Krishna 
And so, uh, you know, throughout the Bhagavatam, actually in general, in, uh, in our tradition of theism or anything, there's so many systems of knowledge, systems of thought that is there. And it's the challenge of all theistic thinkers during that time to actually, how do we connect the current system of thought to, to Krishna, to God? That's the challenge in every phase in time, different uh, situations, uh, different systems of knowledge that are running. So, uh, we can see how uh, the Bhagavatam, it's trying to connect material nature. You know, in the end, in the 10th canto, there's a beautiful description of how Krishna comes down and does his pastimes and everything. But throughout the Bhagavatam, there's the different sections where it's talking about how we connect material nature to the transcendence, to Krishna. Uh, and we see initially we've gone through the second canto already. There's a section over there about the Virat Rupa and how we can connect material nature to the Absolute. So, and that's uh, through that context of the Virat Rupa. This third canto is very focused. Uh, throughout the third canto, there's a broad discussion of Sankhya or this analytical study of uh, material nature and it breaks it down so um, this and the Bhagavatam is doing its effort of connecting that Sankhya conception to Krishna so that was the thought of the time during Parikshit Maharaj's time everybody knew Sankhya that that philosophy of how everything is broken down uh, so he knew that Parikshit Maharaj had this thought conception so he was like, I'm going to connect that thought conception to Krishna. Um, and so we see uh, Sankhya basically, I'm sure you all definitely know, but just for sake of explanation, Sankhya is basically breaking down everything into material elements. We, by nature in this material world, we have a sense of attraction to material energy and everything. And the whole point of Sankhya is that, oh, you're so attracted to material energy, let's break it down. Let's talk about how all the nitty-gritty ingredients of how everything works. And that will just make us, you know, oh, you're attracted to something? You're like, oh, it's just broken down into these elements. So we lose, we create that detachment through deconstruction of material energy. So there's a joke sometimes that a cook uh, never likes what he, eat, what he cooks because he knows what... He's gone through and everything. Obviously, a devotee cook is on a different platform, <laughs> cooking for Krishna. But uh, a cook in general, when they cook rigorously and everything, they just they tend to not have a sense of taste for their own cooking. So uh, that's the idea of Sankhya. And it's, Sankhya can be also perceived in an atheistic perspective of, uh, oh, there's just these material elements and everything. So there's the 24 elements of Sankhya. But then there's also the 25th element of Sankhya that Bhagavatam discusses is there's uh, not only the Prakriti of how everything is broken down, but then there's also the Purusha or how there's a living force behind this Prakriti. And then it extends to even higher, which is uh, the 26th element of Sankhya, which is uh, that focus of Purushottam. So there's Prakriti, Purusha, and Purushottam. The, how Krishna is involved in all this uh, analytical study. So um, we can see that this breakdown is happening so rigorously. I was also thinking of how, um, you know, you can, you can see 
even in sciences, like in this world, we see that there is uh, so many, uh, what you say, you can break down a formula and you can do so many things. Like I can give an example of, uh, I'm a pilot and in training and um, we can, we can, we, we analyze how, as a pilot, we need to know also the science of how aircraft flies and everything. And we analyze to depth and we are actually questioned upon in interviews and everything about how an aircraft flies because in case something happens, you should know the science behind it. And we actually break it down. We use all these theorems and uh, techniques of, uh, what we say, uh, how lift is generated in an aircraft. It's using Bernoulli's principle. And just to give an example, I'll, I'll just explain it, uh, of how nitty-gritty we get. With Bernoulli's principle is that in the airfoil of the wing, there is, uh, what we say, uh, the air is moving fa uh, faster on the lower part of the wing and the air is moving slower on the upper part of the wing. And because of that change in airspeed, uh, there is uh, certain pressures created around the wing and that low pre high pressure in the bottom and low pressure in the top creates that lift in the aircraft to go up. So we actually break it down into these elements to actually analyze and you know understand and it's funny because uh, just recently I was, um, uh, I've, I've been working to my commercial license and uh, we were flying and uh, we were going and we have to do these intricate maneuvers in the aircraft to practice precision and you know kind of uh, uh, everything in the aircraft and while doing that uh, it was a very cold day and you must have experienced when you start a car on cold days, uh, it takes a bit of time sometimes you know if, uh, the engine is cold and it just cools out so much and so while we were flying in the aircraft we were doing a maneuver where there was a strong headwind coming and it entered our engines and cooled it out altogether uh, and our engine actually was very rough we were almost not that high even so we were just like around uh, uh, maybe 2,000 feet from the ground and the engine became very rough and it was shaking and it was like and my, my instructor and I at that point we were like you know, we're gonna have to cancel the lesson today. We just go back to the airport and land back and make like not put too much pressure on the engine. And we're flying back, and it was actually a very nerve-wracking thing. And there are all these checklists that we have to do, and everything we have to break down, put in the fuel, all these different things that we have to do in the aircraft. But in the end, I was thinking as we were flying that, you know, yeah, we know all these technical things, the breakdown of all how the aircraft works. We're doing all the checklists, and you know. But in the end of the day, we see in the purports how Prabhupada says that by the mercy of Krishna, all the planets <laughs> are floating in the air, in the sky. And so <laughs> I was like, yeah, I have to do my duties and like, you know, I have to do all the checklists and everything and go through all of it. But I was also in the back of the head, you know, usually I'm not thinking about Krishna while flying <laughs> because I'm in it. But at that moment came, I was like, you know, Krishna, you're the one who's <laughs> floating all the planets, so please, if you want, float this plane <laughs> to, to the airport. <laughs> and so um, so that, that, that's what our bhakti is doing. It's, um, it's giving us the whys more than the hows. Um, you know, we can say, oh, in general context, we can ask somebody, why is the sky blue, you know? And usually their response will be, oh, there's a reflection from, uh, from the sea and from the ocean and everything. That's why there's some 
uh, lighting that creates the sky is blue. But that's not really answering why. That's answering how is the sky blue. It's not really saying why is the sky blue. The why answer comes from because Krishna wanted it to be blue. You know, Krishna is he's created it in that way to make it blue. So that's what it's happening here. We can understand how this creation is happening. It's like breaking down into all these elements and everything. That's the how it's going. But then why is it happening? That's happening because of the glance of, uh, of, Krish, of Vishnu. And that's what Prabhupada is talking about. Just by the automatic system is factually activated by the glancing touch of the Lord. Living consciousness is the final word in all physical changes. This fact is mentioned in Bhagavad Gita. Yeah, um, it's factually done solely just by that glancing of the Lord. And that's the power of uh, what, what we're doing. And as devotees, we're, we, we're trying to go to the root of it all. Yeah, the world is functioning, everything. And, but all this thing should remind us what is the root of all of it. Um, just since, uh, uh, you know, Nityan Tradashi, Advaita Chari's appearance, and uh, 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 Lord Gorkhonima is coming up, the, you know, the Chaitanya Charitamrit, the, that fervor is growing in all of us, and uh, we're listening to different lectures and reading different pastimes, you know, to focus our mind uh, into these festivities. And I was just recently listening to uh, the pastime of how Lord Chaitanya, after he became a devotee, uh, you know, he was my pundit, he had so many students. He became a devotee, he went to Gaya, he met uh, Ishwar Puri. And uh, uh, after he came back, he had no impetus to, uh, you know, teach logic, grammar to his students anymore. And uh, he was, uh, he came and then he was, he was preaching Krishna consciousness to all of them. And all the students were a little, they were disappointed. They were like, what is Lord Chaitanya doing? And uh, uh, what is Nima Pandit doing? So they went and complained to the, uh, to the higher principal at that time, you could say, um, Gangadas Pandit. They complained to him. He's like, Lord Chaitanya is just talking about Krishna. He's not ta- teaching us anything in class. And uh, uh, so then Gangadas Pandit smiled at them and told them, it's okay, I'll go speak with him. And so Gangadas Pandit went and he told Lord Chaitanya, you are a Brahmin, and you're teaching not you're teaching Brahmin's children um, about you know logic and grammar. Yeah, your parents were also devotees, but you don't you have to teach them. You have the responsibility to teach them about uh, uh, you know all these nitty-gritty things that uh, an education that they need to have. And so, Chaitanya was like, "Yes, it's okay. I'll I'll, I'll go and." Um, uh, I'll go and uh, start teaching them logic and grammar. So he went the next day, and he was there, and he said, where are the Bhattacharjis? Where are the um, Mishras? Uh, call them all. I'm going to argue with them and defeat them with logic and grammar. And uh, then all the students get excited. They're like, yes, Lord Chaitanya. Pandit is back. And so <laughs> they, they were coming, and they were discussing. And then one of the students had a, had a question. To Lord Chaitanya and said, What does dhatu mean? What does verbal roots mean? And then Lord Chaitanya, uh, while he was explaining what that means, he was saying, Verbal roots? Verbal roots means the root of all action. And what is the root of all action? It's Krishna. 
<laughs> and then he starts explaining about Krishna and then he's saying that how does, how does any action occur? Any action occurs by the life air in everybody. And that life air, how is it developed? That's developed and only by the power of Krishna that life air is only acting. And therefore, the root of all action is Krishna. And then he starts explaining about Krishna and glorifying and starts dancing in ecstasy. And uh, he almost does that for six hours. And then <laughs> and after six hours, the students were just in the days just hearing Lord Chaitanya. And uh, by the end of it, Lord Chaitanya comes out of his uh, ecstasy. And then uh, he says, what, what happened? What happened? And the students were saying that you were trying to explain verbal roots, but then you just connected with Krishna. We just lost track of time. It's like six hours now. It's six hours and it didn't cover the lesson? Why didn't you say anything? <laughs> and then the students was like, no, but what you said is true. <laughs> and uh, but the pastime continues like that. But that's the focus of the devotee. Obviously, Lord Chaitanya was exhibiting what a Paramahamsa's mentality is. And also, a Paramahamsa's mentality is also how they can connect everything in this world as to the whys, to why everything is functioning uh, in our day-to-day -day activities. The beauty of the energy that is created in this material world, how we can connect it to Krishna. And so in this verse specifically, also there's a nice description of how uh, everything is mixed together. And so a nice visualization Prabhupada gives is of a painter and how a painter mixes different colors, you know, and uh, I've been working in uh, graphic design things also here and there. And in graphic design, there are these base colors that uh, we use. There's RGB and CMYK, <laughs> and uh, RGB is red, blue, and green. CMYK is cyan, magenta, uh, yellow, and black. So these are the, the base colors, and then you mix all of these colors and you create all these other colors. So if you mix, you know, blue and uh, yellow, you create green, right? And so then when you create green, you can mix green and uh, red to create brown. So like these different mixing that you can do, and create all these different colors that you can have. And um, so similarly over here, uh, that's how these elements are being described. We have this base element, and then from that, we start from the false ego, and then from false ego, mixing with goodness, passion, uh, and ignorance, and then through that, all these other elements generate. So it's just like these mixing of colors that Prophet has given an analogy for us to actually understand. Um, and yeah, Prabhupada also quoted this verse, Maya Dyakshena Prakriti. Um, it's interesting because in the 25th verse uh, of this chapter, he quotes this verse also. And the uh, 25th verse, he's just uh, starting off uh, this uh, whole description of uh, creation. And then now, towards the end, in this concluding purport, he again quotes this verse. And so that's just, you know, a good, a good speaker or a good uh, um, writer you know, they start off with a concept and they conclude it off the concept as well to bring it to a circle. And so Prabhupada is doing that as well by quoting this verse, uh, 910, And um, uh, yeah, that verse is saying how uh, this material nature, which is, which is one of my energies, is working under my direction. O son of Kunti, producing all moving and non-moving beings. 
Under its rule, this manifestation is created and annihilated again and again. So, uh, in this purport of this 910, Prabhupada also talks about the glance of Krishna, and how powerful the glance is. Um, and he gives another analogy as for us to understand how that works is when we have a flower and uh, we want to smell it, we use the sense of smell to smell that flower. But the smelling and the flower are separate from each other. But still, by that act of smelling, we can perceive what flower it could be and that there's a flower around. So similarly, um, that purport is also saying of how there's the separation between Krishna. He's involved in all the creation of this world, but at the same time, he's separate from the creation. He's not directly involved. And so, uh, yeah, so this was just my, some of my realizations, some of my thoughts in connection to this verse. And, uh, and we'll open up for questions, comments, um, corrections. Thank you, Prabhu. This is your first time. I would never have guessed it. Very, very nice. Uh, and I appreciate your uh, understanding of, of Sankhya and how you conveyed that and tying it in with your aeronautics <laughs> science. Um, I have a question. You know, the very first word in this, in which verse was it? The, um, 36. Uh, 36. Yeah. Jyotish. Mm -hmm. Prabhupada translates as electricity. Mm -hmm. Do you, did you question at all how that Jyotish to me is related to astrology? Yeah, right. So do, is there a difference in the spelling or something that I'm not catching? It's interesting because uh, in Rishad Chakravarti Thakur's um, uh, translation, he gives the word light. And I've seen other places, other descriptions where they say fire. It's a different, um, uh, the word Jyoti itself. That I just, I don't know, I wonder if it's just maybe other devotees have thought on this, but I just think Prabhupada is trying to show that uh, electricity is not a foreign thing. <laughs> As, because the nature of electricity is also light and fire. But just this one way of I guess I thought that this <laughs> Yes, please, please. chapter in the first in one of this they are explaining about this jyotish wow because everything is witnessed by the light like we see blinking the eyes mm -hmm. actually it's recorded with the demigod mm -hmm. then everything moves everything is witnessed by the sun moon mm -hmm. uh, so it's nothing separate that's why jyotish and the light are synonyms uh, that's how when they read you date of birth or the line in the palm or here, there, that's how they see mm. who that light is. So it is, it is their, they have a subtle light mm. that they can see why this is happening in your life, when mm. you read there, there. And it's all witnessed by the light. I see. Oh. I see. <laughs> that's nice. 
It was the first time I actually understood um, you giving class um, in your class about Sankhya philosophy. Mm. I would always wonder what is this like? Why is this Sankhya philosophy even there? Mm. Uh, but you so nicely explained. Well, a couple of things I appreciated. You're saying that people at that time were aware of the Sankhya philosophy. Mm. So whatever is aware, they're aware of that. And also another aspect that how when you dissect something, mm. then it becomes, you know, it, like kind of you really see the elements. And one of the things I was thinking, made me think about when you were exp um, telling us that was about liquid beauty. Oh. You know, the pastime <laughs> of the liquid beauty. So what does it make you beautiful? And it's, this, is, this is my <laughs> beauty here, you know. Yeah. And so, uh, but uh, yeah, I really wanted to thank you for bringing that out. I appreciate you. Why it's why it is the way it is, and actually understanding the materialistic uh, Sankhya philosophy and the, hmm. the devotee Sankhya philosophy by adding the Purusha and Purusha and Purusha. Mm -hmm. Thank, Thank you. I was thinking also like that that Shukadev Goswami was so expert in his uh, analysis that just similarly our acharyas of the time. Even I remember reading some works by Bhaktivinoda Thakur and different things and. He uh, has this very like Christian tone in his like his verbiage and everything. It's very uh, Christian, you could say. And I was wondering why, but it made sense that at that time that was like the, you know, in India it was considered like the epitome of uh, disseminating knowledge. <laughs> so he kind of wanted to give Gaudiya literature and everything in that verbiage as well. <laughs> some sense where they, they, the context is that they basically, you know, they, they completely reject everything in this world, you know, the, um, uh, I forget the aphorism, but basically that, uh, yeah, ja, yeah, Jagat Satyam, uh, yeah, from, I forget, from Satyam Jagat, yeah, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, demonizing everything, how this world is illusion and just denying it, and the only thing is Brahman, our connection to that. Uh, so in that sense, the Yanis are demonizing. Depersonalists. Uh, Sometimes you, you read about the Yanis who, you know, sending knowledge is very difficult. Sometimes mm -hmm. they come to the kind of Christian consciousness. Right. Yeah. There's the, I think the second cantor talks about the meditation and how they 
can focus upon uh, the like real Gyanis can focus upon the paramatma and you know go beyond this little personalistic conception. Uh, but yeah, well, that's, um, well, thank you. Yeah. Gyanis can go beyond in the uh, paramatma realization without intervention of descending knowledge from a bhakta? Is that what you're saying? Um, I, I don't want to speculate, <laughs> so uh, definitely... I just yeah. understand that the jnani can only... Uh, ascending knowledge to a certain point. Right, yeah. And then it takes descending. Descending, okay. okay. Taking yeah. further, is, is this correct, yeah. everyone? <laughs> it makes sense because we need a uh, mercy of you know devotees that shop that to actually um, but, yeah. how um, the Bhagavatam is bhakti-centered, um, it's bhakti-centered, but it's not, doesn't isolate itself from hmm. other um, schools of thought, and but rather it relates it to Krishna directly as hmm. a person. I really like that because it's often you go through the Bhagavatam, you think about the Gita, and you come to points that, that don't directly speak about bhakti as much as maybe the Chitra Majari Kamita or Kassas and Chitra you described it in the class. But that was very nice. Mm -hmm. We brought that up. Uh, in relation to the painter analogy and how Prabhupada is speaking about from, you know, uh, air and then comes this next element and the next all the way down to earth, which has all the taste, smell, mm -hmm. etc. touch. Um, and then you use an example of the, the soul and the coverings of false ego, etc. Do you feel that this analogy is also can be used to help us understand who we really are, what our base color is, so to say? Because mm. in, in the purport of speaking in terms of material elements, mm. but perhaps under, un, uncovering our conditionings in terms of their base color, is that something we connect? Uh, yeah, example too. Right, yeah. It's definitely, at least what it shows is how covered we are and how much mercy we actually need to get out of it, per se. Um, yeah, you could also say, I don't know, I, I don't want to per se extend the analogy so much because the analogy is only so limited sometimes. But um, yeah, you could say that these colors are just like the different layers of things that are blocking the chip of that kind of we're trying to go beyond that of course. Yeah. That's one contact here. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
wanted to uh, tell you that uh, your analogy on the coloring, we have to focus on the fourth chapter of the Lila, hmm. 60 to 68, is a few verses about glory of Srimati Radharani. Hmm. And one of the verses is goes, Devi Krishna Mahi Prakta Radhika Paradevata Sarva Lakshmi Mahi Sarva Kanti Sammanitra. Devi Kahit, then this is the only verse, and the whole chapter is actually around this verse. Each word has a separate verse. Hmm. So I say, Devi Kahit Dutamana Parama Sundari Kiva Krishna Puja Kimba Vasudhi Nagari. When the moment Srimati Radharani appeared, seeing her true quality, that she had an uninterrupted, uh, passionate love to please the Lord, hmm. and um, she will do anything to please. So these two, Raga and Bhavati, that's how Radha named him. Mm. Uh, then uh, all her beautiful effulgence was emanating from her body, yellow. Mm. That was the original color of golden yellow. Seeing these, the Lord's, from his uh, heart, that mm. feeling was emanating as a blue. Mm. That's how the origin of Vrindavan forest of green. Oh, blue wow. and <laughs> And from that, you make a chart, all this, Sakhis and Sakhas, mm. they came. That's how the whole variety. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not from chemical here. Right. <laughs> so you're uh, <coughs> referring to Chaitanya Charan Prabhu, how he distinguished those the karmi, the jnani, and the uh, bhakta. But the yogi is in there too. Does he not say something about the yogi? Um, is it something related to controlling that material energy? Was there a word for that? Yeah, I, I don't think. I, I, At least I, I did. Because <laughs> I came across that same, uh, what do you call it? Yeah. Yeah, but, <laughs> but then I thought yogi was in there too. Huh. Isn't that usually what Prabhupada cites the kami, the jnani, the yogi, and yeah. the bhakti? Right, yeah. Yeah, I guess at least in the lecture I okay. heard anything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for the opportunity again. Thank you Thai gold from an MD.